Welcome back to Infinite Rabbit Hole, everybody. My name is Jeremy. I am your host. Today, I am with my co-host, Wes. Wes, what's going on, man? Not much. Glad to be here. It's been a while since we've done one, just the two of us, huh? Yeah, I feel like well before we uh, brought in CJ. That's how long it's been since uh, it's been just the two of us. I'd say season one, right? When uh, yeah. when Jake went on that trip across the country. Yep. Yeah, when he, uh, right after I first joined. Right? <laughs> yeah. That was literally right when I first joined, when he uh, started that. Yeah, because we, we brought you in for the, uh, let's see... The dimensional episode, right? Yeah, parallel dimensions, parallel worlds. Yeah, we talked about the. Uh, man, what did we talk about? We talked about we talked about a lot of stuff, didn't we? Yeah, we covered a lot of ground in that one. <laughs> the Mandela effect. That's what we covered. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There you go. Anyways, so we have a special guest today, guys. Wes, you ready to roll? Absolutely. All right. So on today's bonus episode of Infinite Rabbit Hole, we will be talking with the author of the book Strange Tales from Virginia's Mountains. His newest addition to the handful of books he has authored highlights the strange, weird, and creepy history from the hills of Western Virginia, as well as the many generations of people, spirits, and creatures that have called them home. I'd like to introduce you and welcome Mr. Denver Michaels to the Infinite Rabbit Hole. Denver, thank you for joining us today, man. Thanks for having me. It's good to be here. The pleasure is all mine. I am fangirling horribly right now just like <laughs> i got in touch with you about the same time that i got in touch with kenny irish the the crypto punkologist about doing interviews for the books this is something that i wanted to get into for infinite rabbit hole as bonus material for the fans i am a huge fan of books when i i jumped on i, I want to say it was the cryptozoology facebook page and i saw both you and kenny's books on there you guys were introducing them to the people on those groups. So I reached out to both of you and lucky me, both of you guys said yes, that you would come on the show. <laughs> so one, I'd like to say thank you uh, once again for coming on. This is, this is awesome. Well, yeah, no, no problem, man. It's uh it's always good to get an invite like that. So you were nice enough to send us a review copy, which is a PDF file. And, you know, I, I read it and I got through the first, I don't know, section of the first chapter, which was on the Wampus cat. And I stopped and I said, okay, this is good enough. I'm going to buy this. So I waited a few days, bought it off of Amazon. I believe it was April 19th, right? That was your release date? Yeah, that was a release date. Yeah. And took two days to get here. I read it in one day. I sat down. I could not put the book down. Denver, you have a piece of gold here. (laughs) Well, that, those, those are uh, pretty kind words, man. I, I appreciate you saying that. Well, I'm going to go ahead and build you up a little bit more because <laughs> I want people to understand. Okay. Now, I'm I'm in Virginia right now. I'm stationed in Norfolk Naval Air Station, uh, active duty Navy, and I've spent some time in the the western counties of Virginia. I've been to Grayson County. I've been to Shenandoah National Park, uh, and I've been to Floyd County, um, and there's something about being out there. The air is older, the the scenes are older, everything's older, and the people are different. You know, I'm from like I'm the in the Hampton Road area. This is as city as it's going to get in uh, in Virginia, unless you go up to Richmond, and it's just a completely different universe. So I was very excited to pick up this book. I'll tell you. 
I will be referring to this book for not only my personal hobbies like camping, hiking, teaching my children about the the lore and the urban legends of Virginia, but I'll also be using this book regularly in Infinite Rabbit Hole and any other things that I do, cryptid, paranormal, UFO related. This book I will refer to for the rest of my life. Well, I appreciate that, man. That's uh, nice to get some positive feedback like that. You know, these days there's uh, so many keyboard warriors out there and they, they hate what you do. <laughs> it's always, you know, they're they're always the loudest. And it's really nice when, uh, you know, when you get some really positive feedback like that. So that, that means more to me than you than you know. Well, I mean it. Now, there's three major parts of this book. There's part one, where you go over cryptid monsters and out-of-place animals, which is my favorite, by the way. I'm a, I'm a big cryptid fan. Then you go into part two, where you talk about the hidden history. You get a lot into a lot of the Native American lore, a lot of the, let's see, uh, populations that used to live in the mountains of Virginia, such a, and I don't want to give out too much, but you even tied in the lost colony of Roanoke which was really cool. I loved that take, by the way. And then part three, you got into some eerie tales where you touched on a lot of different things, such as ghost towns, UFOs, aliens, and even the underworld, which was very, very impressive. So I haven't even gotten to the most impressive part of this book yet. It's hard to even put in words. I I go through this book, and as I'm reading, I'm noticing that these pictures, right, and I'm, I'm one that skips the captions on the pictures. I'm not really big into the captions. So I read through the book and I go, you know, I'm, I'm looking through the book again and I'm seeing all the pictures that you included, which was very well placed throughout the book. Whoever did your editing is, is really, really good. And the, the placement of the pictures, I looked at the, the captions at the, the bottom of them. Most of these pictures are yours. You took these. Yeah, uh, I think there's, I want to say, I can't remember if there's 70 or 68. There's right about 70 photographs. And um, I, you know, I did put some, um, some older photographs or like, um, you know, like uh, old pictures from, you know, like earlier time periods, because I thought that those are kind of kind of cool. But yeah, the vast majority of the pictures in the book are, are my pictures. I I did, uh, did, did, um, tons and tons of them i i wanted this to uh be a heavily illustrated book and i've got a lot of pictures of um you know scenic pictures i got some pictures of some cool waterfalls just to you know just to kind of bring a little uh character to the book i guess and i i recognize some of the pictures too as uh places in the shenandoah national forest you definitely got the, the, I mean, I'm not saying that Shenandoah is not pretty. It's absolutely gorgeous, but you definitely captured some really pretty pictures there. One of the most interesting and eye-opening pictures in this book, and stop me if I'm saying too much, Denver, because I don't want to give too much out. I want people to go out there and, buy, and get this book. It's really awesome. But this this pipe or rod-shaped UFO that your sister caught. On, on yeah that yeah that was uh that was crazy um you know that was something that uh you know when when i wrote this book um i decided to put up you know a section of, of ufos in there and my sister um 
back in 2018 spotted this just weird um like it looks like a black pipe just floating in the sky and she got a really good picture of it and it was of um you know high enough quality that the uh, publisher was able to use it in the book so um i was i was real excited to be able to put that in there yeah so can we talk about this for a minute absolutely you know i'm, I'm reading through it and i i you know i noticed that you mentioned mufon and, and all that and stuff and you said that you got her to report it right yeah, yeah, she did. Uh, I did encourage her to uh, uh, to report her sighting. I mean, yeah, I don't know if it really does any good or does anything, but at least there's, you know, somebody's got a record of it in a database. And, you know, it, it's just a good thing to have for future researchers and that sort of thing. So uh, I told her to report it. And um, and after she did the, um, you know, the guy, the the guy from MUFON, um he um he had talked about a a similar sighting well i mean by similar i mean like pretty much exactly the same thing that had taken place uh if i'm remembering right it was it was either the same i think it was the the very same day in uh, buckingham county virginia which you know by the way the uh the crow flies had probably be about a hundred miles from from where she saw hers in front royal so uh i thought that was kind of interesting that um you know, because, uh, you know, she reported it, you know, I learned of the, the other incident down in Buckingham and it's just, it's just the most bizarre thing. It's, it's just, it just looks like these black pipes, uh, just floating around in the skies. It's totally weird. Yeah. It's, it's very strange because I'm putting myself in your sister's shoes. Right. And I'm, I'm saying if I walked outside of my house and I noticed a pipe in the sky, <laughs> right. I'm either duck in my head right because i think that thing's going to come flying down at me or i'm trying to find out where the string's at yeah. and I, I i i don't really i can't really explain it too much but the way that this picture is taking the angle and everything it's definitely not anything being held up by a string this is just i mean depending on how far this thing is this thing could be giant or this thing could be small it's it, it's very hard to tell yeah, it, it is. And yeah, I remember, um, you know, I, I was, I was at work and, uh, it was just like, I don't know. It's like, a, like on a random weekday, I don't remember if it's Tuesday or Wednesday or something like that, but it was, you know, probably around 10 in the morning, you know, she sends me a text and I mean, we don't really, you know, we don't really text that often, you know, especially during the, the work day. So, you know, my phone buzzes, and you know open it up and it's from her and it's it, it's that picture and i'm like what the hell is that i'm i'm like you know <laughs> zooming in on it and and you know i just text her back i'm like what the hell was that and you know she's just like right <laughs> and you know uh to to give a little um a background on her um she's got absolutely zero interest in ufos or anything like that she she couldn't care less and um you know she's actually a you know former police officer and you know so she's you know the way i always looked at it uh she you know they're trained to be able to 
you know, tell you what they saw and even like under duress, even if it's something weird or whatever. So I, and and, you know, I mean, of course, you know, she's my sister, so I'm, I'm going to, you know, believe her a little bit more than, than someone else. But, you know, if you just take those things to me, it it was a very credible sighting, you know, and, and especially she got the picture. It's not just hearsay. There's this weird picture. And, um, you know, after after she told me about it, I knew exactly um, uh, where she saw it. It was, you know, about 20 minutes from where I live. So, like, a couple days later over the weekend, you know, I drove down there, stood in the exact spot, and uh, I took some pictures, you know, uh, tried to duplicate the angle and all that. And um, it just, we just couldn't really think of anything it could be. And the only thing I could really come up with is, uh, you know, if any of your uh, listeners have ever seen those big uh, solar balloons, they, they're they made like out of black trash bag material. And, you know, they're, the, the one I had was probably about 50 feet long, maybe, well, maybe like two, two and a half uh, feet in diameter. And, you know, you just tie the ends up, uh, put a little string on them, and as the sun you know, hits that black material, it, it inflates and, and, you know, just goes up into the air. And so I thought maybe something like that could be it. But, um, you know, we, I met up with her and, and a bunch of my family members, we all got together. We went to a park one day. It was cool. We all had a good time, but you know, she's, she's like, I don't know what I saw, but it ain't that. So I, I don't know what it was. Yeah. You have a picture in your book actually on page 138 where you there's a picture of you it looks like you're tying up the end of it Mm -hmm. you have your family all around you and i can see exactly what you're talking about yeah if anybody picks up this book and they want to see what denver's talking about page 138 is where you can see this uh what you call it a solar balloon yeah they're called solar balloons you can you can uh go on amazon just type in a solar balloon and uh they're they're actually pretty cheap but it's just like this you know, it's like trash bag material almost. And uh, mm-hmm. they're, they're about 50 feet long. I mean, I mean, they're huge and they're really cool. you you know, your kids will have a great time with it, but uh, <laughs> that, that wasn't the UFO. <laughs> right on. Well, I think we spent some time on the UFO that, I mean, that, that's such a really cool story and it's personal. That's why I, I really liked it. That's why I wanted to lead off with that one, but I really want to get into how, you don't have to be a fan of the unknown in order to be a fan of this book. There's a history part of it too. And anybody that's, uh, that's just a fan of Virginian history or history in general will really appreciate the section you do on Shenandoah national park. Now I don't, again, I don't want to give up too much because I want people to go out there and read the story in your words, but I have a question. So with the strange way that the government forced many people out of the newly established national park, which is Shenandoah at the time of its establishment, do you think that there was something more sinister or dare I say supernatural behind the government's act? You know, I don't really think so because, um, you know, what happened there and, and for folks that, that don't know, um, 
most people don't really realize that not just Shenandoah, but a lot of these national parks, you know, there used to be people that actually lived there. And, you know, some of them have uh, left some of the old homesteads and churches and things like that standing. But a lot of these national parks, you would, you would never know that, you know, that people live there. And, um, and, and, you know, the government, they, um, they were, pretty rough about it uh, a lot of people weren't even compensated uh, for their land at least in the case of uh, Shenandoah but I don't really subscribe anything sinister to it other than just um, uh, government overreach or you know if you uh, if you don't want to call it that if, if you believe that the ends justified the means using eminent domain to you know, as create these national parks, then then I think it's it's more just uh, the product of impatience, right? Because um, the Commonwealth of Virginia, it was their job to get the land, and you know, before and and then they turned it over to the federal government for the formation of the park. And I think that they were just afraid that you know, if we if we try to you know be fair about this you know you're going to get that one guy you know we're going to have all the property that we need for the park but we're going to have this one guy right here in the middle mm-hmm. and he's, he's going to demand some price for his land it's so ridiculous that there's no way we can ever pay it and then you know maybe maybe one of his neighbors you know several miles down hears about it and does the same thing and then you know and if that happened i mean this would have been in court for decades so i think Mm -hmm. it was more just impatience and um i I don't think that the that the government necessarily compensated the land because of you know uh, of any of the paranormal type things that they that they thought might be going on or this or that i i think it was you know just basic uh government overreach that's the way i look at it well you had said that they uh politicians in washington dc wanted a national or they were trying to get a national park built closer to them for recreational purposes correct yeah, that was that was like the big back in the day, uh, and this uh, you know the I think the bill you know, to establish uh, the formation was uh, in the late twenties and throughout the early thirties. They went about acquiring the land, but uh, you know they had uh, uh, private interest groups that you know that wanted a park, and that was like a big selling point was kind of like a, a, a national park 75 miles from the nation's capital. And, and that was a, that was a big draw. Hmm. So the episode that we released right before this one comes out. So on May 7th, I think three days before this episode comes out, we're actually doing our third part on the missing four and one phenomena, which you do uh, talk about a little bit in your book. Um, now, this is one of our, our big topics. You know, this is what people like to listen to on our podcast is these missing 401 stuff. So I got to ask you a question. With the popularity of the missing 401 phenomenon, do you think that there is something behind all the disappearances in the national parks? Wow, that's that's I mean, that's a good question. It's and, and some of those missing 411 cases are just are just so bizarre and crazy. You just don't really know what to make of it. Um, I, yeah, I mean, I, I don't really have a good answer for that because, <laughs> you know, there, there's a big part of it is, is these places are, you know, they're 
you know, even though, like I said, you're on in the Shenandoah, you're only 75 miles from, from DC and just a vast urban sprawl. And, and there's even, you know, towns just, you know, just below the mountain. It's, you're still yeah. in just really dense wilderness area. Um, you can't get any cell service. And, you know, a lot of people these days, they, they use their cell phones for, uh, you know, for their, for their maps, instead of having paper maps and, you know, they lose their service and that sort of thing and, and get lost. And, um, you know, so there's just a lot of inherent dangers of becoming lost. You know, you've always got your inherent dangers just with the wilderness. So, so that plays a big part of it, but at the same time, there's just so much, uh, other weirdness. I mean, you get, uh, you get all these, uh, especially like in Shenandoah and along the Blue Ridge Parkway. I mean, there's just they're they're like uh, tops uh, in the top ten of the nation for like murders and suicides. Um, you know, it's just kind of like wonder, uh, you know, what's in the air <laughs> that's that's going on in, in these places. I mean, uh, and I put that in the book and like uh, how many just uh, just these bizarre murders these suicides and you know you have some weird disappearances and things like that and it's just not the kind of thing that you would expect in these uh you know these beautiful peaceful places like that so yeah i mean it's yeah. just a long-winded way for me to say i don't know i guess <laughs> <laughs> yeah i don't know it's a it is a tough subject uh, you know not only from the the sensitive nature of the idea of someone going missing and never being found. Um, and, you know, some of the, even some of the people that do get found, just the the strangeness that surrounds it. And it's not just in Shenandoah, it's all over the country. Uh, some really, really strange stuff. Yeah. And that's, that's the thing that's always bothered me. It's not that, not the people that go missing and, and, and they're not found. It's, it's a lot of times the people that are found, you know, that, that live through the, that, that's, that's the stuff that really bothers me. It's like they have these, uh, it's almost like missing time episodes almost. It's, it's just really, uh, really weird and um you know I, I don't really like to get into it a whole lot like in my personal research because i'm an i'm an avid hiker i mean i'm almost always um in these kind of places out there alone i mean i, I let people or or at least my wife know where i'm at but um you know there's been times you know like i've i've like changed my mind and not had cell phone service to tell her and you know i'm out there alone usually unarmed you know um i i don't i don't carry a gun typically if i'm out hiking or something so uh, it kind of kind of gives me pause like about like what are you doing dude are you are you crazy <laughs> <sighs> i don't know where to go next denver there's so much that i want to talk about you know all right let's talk about devil monkeys Okay, because <laughs> let, let, let's get into cryptids. That, that's 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 what I love. I love I love cryptids. So let's talk about that. I felt like you caught him off guard with that. <laughs> he was like, oh, okay. <laughs> so, devil monkeys. I have brought this up to a couple people before. You know, devil monkeys. You ever heard of devil monkeys? No, I've <laughs> never heard of devil monkeys. You know, and I'm I'm a cryptid fan. And, you know, I have my whole. I, I've had a Bigfoot sighting when I was younger and everything, so that's what people know me for is wow. is Bigfoot, right? And they're like, yeah, I mean, is it a type of Bigfoot? I'm like, no, it's not. But I had a question for you about devil monkeys. 
and I didn't see you make the comparison in the book. So I was just curious. Have you ever read Lauren Coleman's book, Mysterious America? Yeah, a long time ago I read it. So he made a comparison between devil monkeys and kangaroos Mm -hmm. and how the Midwest had this plethora of quote unquote and finger quotes here kangaroo sightings that were just popping up all over the Midwest in uh, the very early 20th century. And uh, sooner or later, somebody had spotted uh, a kangaroo, you know, and had a really, really good look at it while it was destroying one of their chicken coops or something and noticed that it wasn't. It was actually a monkey. Uh, Have you heard uh, any other kind of comparisons between devil monkeys and kangaroos other than the Lauren Coleman comparison? Yeah, I mean, they kind of... uh you know they that the devil monkeys the kangaroos that kind of gets intertwined so sometimes you don't know if you're dealing with um what they call phantom kangaroos or devil monkeys but Mm -hmm. you know as you know at least recently and um even like in the in the 60s um there i i kind of separate the uh the two myself because i think there's just enough good um actual kangaroo sightings i mean enough that uh you know in one of my books i even put forth the idea that maybe there's a you know like a small population of um of kangaroos as crazy as that sounds you know you're not the first to say it (laughs) yeah it sounds crazy and um i kind of have always separated the devil monkeys. I kind of, that to me is its own thing. And where I think that kangaroos might come into play is, um, I think a lot of your, um, I think a lot of your dog man sightings, as stupid as this sounds, I think a lot of your dog man sightings could be a, a, um, an actual kangaroo. And I'll tell you why, just go on, just go on YouTube you know, in the little search bar, type in kangaroos are scary. And you'll see all these videos of these, you know, kangaroos in Australia, like, you know, banging on uh, uh, screen storm doors, screen doors. You see them at night and, you know, they've got they've got these when the light hits their eyes, they got the red eyes. They got these real long claws. And, you know, when they're you know standing up like that, they're, you know, they're some of them have that real muscular looking chest. And to me, that's, I mean, it almost sounds like a lot of your, your, your dog man sightings. I, and I don't think that that, you know, explains away the dog man phenomenon. Not, not, yeah. not, not at all, but I think it is a piece of it, at least, you know, in those instances where, you know, could the witness have mistaken some sort of animal? Cause you know, you always kind of, kind of want to go through, through a checklist from simplest down to, down to crazy you know kind of like when you're yeah. working on your car it's like okay does it have gas and does it have a spark is you know you know you want to you don't want to pull your transmission out if you know your car just ran out of gas kind of thing so <laughs> i i kind of i kind of work work from okay what's what is something that the witness could have saw you know before you and of course you know a kangaroo is it might sound crazy but i'm telling you when you think of all the um I've got just stacks of uh, like old newspaper clippings and things like that of just escaped kangaroos where they there's no like follow up where they were caught, uh, you know, recovered or or anything like that. And then you wonder people that have them in, 
you know, private collections that maybe they escaped. They didn't have the paperwork and never notified anybody, you know. And so that's kind of where I am with kangaroos. I would uh, I would agree with you on that. That I bet a lot of those sightings are definitely mistaken, like mistaken identity. You know, I mean, because a lot of us, I mean, I'm, I think almost every single person growing up has heard of a kangaroo and seen pictures of them at some point, but not every person has seen one like in the flesh. You know, yeah. when you see one in the flesh, that's usually a completely different experience. Like, you know what you what you picture in your mind what they're like versus seeing it in person are two completely different things you know and i i uh searched in youtube kangaroos are scary and (laughs) just just from the just from the thumbnails of the videos uh just the angles you know they're taking the pictures like it doesn't necessarily look like a kangaroo right off the bat yeah so absolutely yeah i didn't mean to interrupt you yeah they got those long snouts you know which yeah you can kind of dog like they got the they got the big ears and you look at those claws you know and that's what people always talk about like in these dogmen sightings you know like they talk about like muscular upper body you know uh, long claws and you know a lot of times amber colored or sometimes red eyes but you know kangaroos do have um you know they're one of the animals that uh, they get the red eye shine, um, you know, when like a light hits it. And, you know, you just think about if I'm, you know, if I'm just out on some side road outside of Roanoke, Virginia at night and I see mm-hmm. that, you know, I mean, <laughs> I mean, it, it can, you know, we don't we don't we're not used to them like people down yeah. under are so. And not to mention, I bet a lot of these sightings, if it is a kangaroo, the person seeing it probably isn't seeing the whole thing, especially if they're out in the woods. They may be only seeing like the top half of it or maybe just the head. Yeah. You know, they're not getting the full picture to help them realize what it is. You just see this thing, especially if it's like, you know, in the evening or early morning, you know, when the sun's not directly overhead, you know, shadows and whatnot playing tricks on your eyes and you're just like, what the heck is that? You know? <laughs> yeah. Damn it, Denver. I've got to watch the NFL draft tonight. And now I'm just going to sit here and watch videos <laughs> of kangaroos and, and try to figure out whether or not this is a dog, man. That's all uh, I'm going to do tonight now. Well, I mean, I've, I, man, I've, I can't tell you how many hours I've wasted doing just that. Like, oh, it's man. like, you know, cause, uh, I had to make sure that I wasn't totally crazy thinking that that could explain some of those things. So, um, you know, yeah. I mean, Go ahead. I don't mean to cut you off, but I, I'm a big fan of uh, Occam's razor. You know, usually the simplest explanation is, you know, the truth uh, or the simplest explanation is the correct one, you know, and I think that hits it right on the head because, you know, just like with anything, you know, you you see something you don't understand it, but then it takes one person just out of the blue say, "Hey, you know what that could have been? It could have been this," and it's just like, "Damn, you know what? That's <laughs> why didn't I think of that? That's a great that's a great idea." I was just gonna say because we've we've covered Dogman a couple times. Our very first two episodes, we were talking about the Rougarou down in Louisiana. Then we did uh, where one of our newer co-host cj actually both of them cj and andrew they used to be on another podcast and they came on as a guest and we talked about dog man and then we just had a a woman come on and give us her swamp ape and dog man encounter story and you know one thing when i was talking to her and one thing i just don't understand when 
people talk about Dogman is how they have fingers and claws and stuff. And you would think, you know, this is a canine. What does every canine have? They have they have paws. They don't have a hand. And I never, ever, and I, I feel dumb, Denver. I'm not going to lie to you. <laughs> <laughs> I feel dumb that I've never made the connection between the silhouette. We'll just talk about the silhouette of a kangaroo. Cause that's when you're, that's when all these dog man sightings normally happen is at night under the, under the moon where you're seeing just the silhouette of the animal. Not only are you seeing the big ears that could look canine, like the snout that could look canine, like the broad shoulders that are lycanthrope like, but you, they also have ankle hawks, you know, <laughs> where the dog men are, you know, like one of the biggest things that people say this had to have been a canine is because when it was standing up, its knees were bent backwards. A lot of people don't know that that's not actually the knee. That's the ankle hawk where it actually looks like it's coming backwards and then comes forward. And then the knee is really up by the by the hip area. Um, but wow, my mind's blown right now. You just. Yeah. You took over my entire night, Dad. <laughs> well, yeah. well, sorry about that. But no. it's one of those things, it was one of those things that, um, for me, and and I don't, I don't mean to say that uh, you know, for listeners or especially if they've they've had some kind of dog man encounter, I, I usually just take what what people tell me. I don't, uh, you know think that yep. uh, this stuff is necessarily made up but but to me uh, an upright canine you know just the physiology doesn't work it, it can't exist in nature now yeah you can you can see a dog walk on its hind legs and you know if, if you train them right they, they can even do it for a few minutes but the, mm -hmm. the, the physiology just doesn't work it just doesn't. So it's got to be. It's got to be something else. It's got to be. Uh, it's either got to be uh, a case of mistaken identity, which uh, okay, what are you mistaking? Is then is then the next question, or you know, in a lot of cases, it might be something that's just something more paranormal, supernatural in nature. Maybe it's not a, a physical being, or, or, or maybe it's a little bit of A, a little bit of B, a little bit of C. I don't know, but uh, as far as just an upright canine, I mean, it just, to, to me, that just doesn't, that just can't really exist in nature. Hey, everybody. Bear with us while we take this quick break. Greetings, I'm Declassified Dave. I'm Mystery Mike. I'm Slick Frank Sanders. Join us on the Hush Hush Society Conspiracy Hour Mondays, where we look into the dark secrets of the conspiratorial world. We'll explore the likes of government cover-ups, the existence of otherworldly beings, unexplained phenomena, and cryptids. We tackle these topics with an open mind, a sense of humor, and dapper drippage. Find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and listen on all podcast platforms. What's up, everybody? This is Jeff from the Shadowband Podcast, where we challenge conventional thoughts and overruling dogmas, from ancient discoveries tucked away by the Smithsonian to modern genetic manipulation carried out and funded by the world's elite ruling class. Nothing is too taboo as we search for lost, hidden, and suppressed truths about the nature of our reality. Find the Shadowman Podcast on all platforms or visit shadowmanpodcast.com to join in on the fun. Now, 
back to the Infinite Rabbit Hole podcast. Your brain needs support. And new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L-theanine, and caffeine. Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y dot These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. That has always been the issue with Dogman. Now, I, I love cryptids. I, I love them. I, I don't believe in all of them. I believe in Bigfoot. That's because I've seen one. But other than that, it, I, there's not a lot of cryptids that I actually believe exist. But I love hearing the stories. I love reading the books. I love I love doing research. I mean, I have probably 50 books full of cryptid material. And I can't get enough of it. And I, I, I want to research it myself. And I, I want to get out there and find something and prove that some, one of these things exist. But at heart, I'm, I'm a skeptic because yeah. exactly like what you said, the physics, like the, the biology says that it can't happen. The heads right. aren't built that way. Um, and I'm, I've been through the ringer trying to explain to myself what a dog man could be. You know, I, I've been through, you know, we didn't live when the dire wolves were around. You know, maybe the dire wolves stood up on their hind legs more often than we thought or you know, but even even the the skeletal remains of direwolf shows a very similar build structure to the modern day canine. Um, so that doesn't really explain that. And yeah, whew, mind's blown, Denry. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> that was that was good. I liked that was it. really <laughs> good. Well, we were we were originally talking about double monkeys, but I I just kind of <laughs> just kind of sidetracked it there. <laughs> hey, that was that was a good sidetrack. <laughs> Our podcast is called the Infinite Rabbit Hole, Denver, <laughs> for a reason. <laughs> this is what we do. We we very rarely stay on subject. It's awesome, actually. <laughs> so, uh, moving on. When I was reading your chapter on giants. The question that kept coming through my head was, do you think these could have been Bigfoot skeletons? You know, I'm asked that a lot, and and, and that comes up a lot, uh, you know, in the discussion of giants. And um, I am pretty adamant that I do not believe that um, that this is uh, Bigfoot and, and giants, uh, you know, were the same. I mean, I, I suppose... Um, I suppose that, you know, maybe somewhere along the line, some of the discoveries of, of supposed giant bones could have, you know, been a Bigfoot here and there. But but the way that these uh, bones are usually discovered, at least according to the old reports, is, um you know, they're a lot of times they're they have, you know, like uh, copper breastplates, copper crowns. Um, you know, mm. it's, it's like these. It's like these giants, whoever they were, they were like a big deal. You know, they're they're buried in these elaborate mounds and tombs and and that sort of thing. And um, so I've I've never um, I've never really uh tied the uh, the uh, Bigfoot 
legends and stories to to those of giants and you know a lot of you know a lot of people do but um i i just um i think we're we're talking about two different uh, two different things here so i have one more question in regard in regards to giants now when i was reading this i wish i could i, I didn't write it down i'm just frantically trying to find it right now um because you had talked about the the cranial capacity of these giants and how they were, I think almost 10 times bigger than the average human, right? Like 20, I can't, it's killing me that I don't have this written down. Usually I'm better than this. I promise. Yeah. Well, you're talking, yeah. What you're talking about there is, uh, is, is an enormous, uh, skull that was, uh, discovered down in Stafford County. Um, yes. I can't remember the brain capacity. It was, uh, God, what was it like? Uh, would have been like two thousand, like like in the neighborhood of two thousand cubic centimeters. And uh, so, what is a what is our brain capacity? Uh, you said it was what? like two two or two fifty was ours. Like it was a lot smaller. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I found. I found. Yeah. Six to between six and eight hundred cubic centimeters would be a, a normal person, and you know this um, this skull would have been over two thousand uh, cubic centimeters. I think like around twenty two hundred, if I, if I'm remembering right. But yeah, uh, yeah. It, this was um, uh, this was an article, uh, I think from like 1937 or late 30s. It was a, a discovery down in um, Stafford County, Virginia, uh, near an old Indian village down there. And the thing is, uh, these days, um, if you you know if you look up the discoveries, you know about this village. Uh, I can't remember the name of the village now. On the top of it's right on Potomac Creek, but uh, at, at any rate, you can you can look up and uh, you know there's there's these reports, uh, modern reports of you know about the discoveries there. These uh, these ossuaries and and all these bones and artifacts and this sort of thing, but there's no mention today of this uh of this giant skull that that was found there and uh you know and it was in my book i i um, put the whole um washington post article in its entirety there when i was reading that particular section one thing that was crossing my mind was gray aliens now i know that the typical grays are short you know people say that they're between three and four feet but if you go through a lot of the encounters of these gray aliens or a lot of the ones where people are being abducted and they're on a ship or whatnot. There's usually one, two to three of these taller beings with them, with these insanely large heads. Do you, one, do you know what I'm talking about? And two, do you think that that could have been something? Yeah, I, I know exactly what you're talking about. And, uh, and a lot of those, uh, encounters, it seems like the, uh, the little guys, they're, they're almost, uh, robotic, uh, in nature. Yep. That's, that's been kind of, uh, theorized that they're kind of like worker, uh, worker drones. They're, um, you know, perhaps they're fully robotic or, or partially whatever. But, uh, yeah, then you have a, what, like a six or seven foot tall, you know, yep. um, guy or gal, and they they have the enormous heads. I, I know what you're talking about. Um, in, in this case, um, 
I just think we're, I, I, I just think we're talking about just a, uh, just an enormous, uh, person and, and okay. by, per, and by person with these giants, um, I think that they were, I don't know if they're fully human or if, um, you know, I'd speculated that, uh, they originated, um, you know, as the, uh, offspring of, uh, alien visitors, um, you know, with human women, the way that the Bible says that, uh, you know, the, the, the sons of God, uh, mated with the, uh, daughters of men, you know, in Genesis chapter six, you know, that, uh, Perhaps that the, you know, if you take out the sons of God or or angel, fallen angels, substitute that with alien. But then I, I don't think it would have necessarily been, you know, look like a gray alien. They probably would have just looked like us, uh, you know, bigger, you know, taller, uh, had better genes, uh, lived longer. Because uh, in a lot of your giant tales. Um, you know, uh, these guys live to, uh, pretty, uh, pretty long lifespans. Um, you know, right. so I, I think that you, you're probably just talking more of a, more of like of an advanced, uh, human, I guess. Very well. I, I, I like it. So I got mad reading this book, not at you, <laughs> but at Shenandoah national park rangers. <laughs> There was a story of a, of a woman named Diana. Uh, I'm not going to try to pronounce her last name because I'll just screw it up. And out of respect, I don't want to do that to her. I, I got a challenge for anybody listening to this episode. If you go out and buy this book, I want, or after you go out and buy this book, I want you to tell me what UFO stands for when, <laughs> when they're talking about mountain lions in this book. I don't know. Let's let's just say light up my uh social media. Light up my Twitter and uh Instagram and Facebook with what UFO stands for uh in accordance with the Shenandoah National Park Rangers at the time. Let's let's start a conversation about about those jerks. How about <laughs> that? We'll, we'll we'll keep that nice. But moving on. Uh that the I I Denver, I got so mad. <laughs> yeah. Um, anyways, so we'll leave it at that. We'll we'll leave them on a cliff. That way they can, <laughs> uh, they can go out there and, and see what we're talking about because it drove me nuts. Anyways, so let's talk, talk about melanistic cats because I, d- I did some research, right? And it looks like almost every cat known to humans right i'd say probably a good 80 percent of them talking about lions tigers anything (laughs) seems like anything but mountain lions has a melanistic version melanistic meaning the opposite of albino where uh albinism is the lack of pigment and melanistic is the abundance of pigment and a lot of the uh when you're talking about felines they come out black and jaguars panthers You'll see a lot of all black and in specifically in jaguars, you can still tell that they have spots, right? And you can tell that it's a jaguar by the facial structure, by the spots that you can see under, you know, in the patterns in the black fur. But apparently to biologists and 
zoologists and whoever studies mountain lions, there is no such thing as a melanistic mountain lion, but almost every other cat out there, there is. So let me ask you, Denver, do you believe that we have melanistic mountain lions here in the United States? I, well, I certainly believe that. I mean, that that's my contention. Um, you know, like if we're using Occam's razor, like, like we were, we were talking about earlier, um, when, when, when there's just all these reports of, of, of these cats, you know, that perfectly match, uh, mountain lion descriptions, you know, the size, the tail, the, you know, the ears, everything about it, except it's black. Well, I mean, and, and I, I understand that, um, supposedly you know that it, this is not a trait that has ever been observed in in mountain lions but i mean who's to say and especially when you you know when you take um you know reports that uh supposedly these uh these mountain lions are extinct in large parts of the east and but people are still um still seeing um you know the the tawny colored and uh, you know the black colored so so to me like if the uh if the uh you know if your typical mountain lion isn't even supposed to be there well then then why can't a black one either <laughs> exactly mm-hmm. i mean i i'm no cat expert but i yeah. have a couple of them roaming around my house they're hard if if they don't want to be found they're hard to find they they will find places to mm-hmm. hide from you Cats are extremely nimble, extremely quiet, extremely stealthy. And now you, you put one out there that just looks like a shadow. I'm sorry, man, that you're not you're not telling me that there ain't no melanistic mountain lions out in the United States. Yeah, it, it certainly seems like that. And, and especially, um, you know, uh, someone um, I, I've read some, um, you know, some theories that uh, especially when you're talking in these uh, pockets of places in Virginia and, you know, I guess in the mountains in West Virginia, where, where you have always had sightings, even after they've uh, supposedly gone extinct, you, you know, you don't have a lot, but, you know, there's these little pockets of them. And, you know, someone's, uh, and people have suggested that uh, perhaps in these, in these pockets, uh, you know, a gene has, you know, kind of, um, evolved in in just these small groups and uh you know you've got these uh black cats now you know how you'll have um anomalies in some groups that that'll have like mm-hmm. kink tails or you know some other little little kind of quirky thing about them you know if you've got a these small pockets you know you got a lot of inbreeding going on i guess and uh you know maybe it uh maybe it's happened that way uh, you know i'm i'm certainly not a, a wildlife biologist but um i i i believe that there's definitely uh these uh black colored mountain lions absolutely i would i would say to go with that like a perfect example of that like a little pocket where uh certain species that are in more than one region of the world uh where there's like the galapagos islands uh it's like a little pocket where all the animals there are like way different from their counterparts you know elsewhere in the world um like a perfect example 
of one particular animal there is the uh, iguanas. The iguanas there uh, swim. They dive in the water for their food, whereas in the rest of the world, they don't do that. They've just, like, figured it out, like, and evolved to do that, you know. Uh, so to say that that can't happen elsewhere, uh, to me, it doesn't make any sense, like you said. Um, so I think that'd be a perfect, uh, perfectly logical explanation like for there being that there <laughs> that makes any sense yeah no that, that... now if anybody out there wants to see the most beautiful animal in the world just do a quick google image search of a melanistic tiger just i mean they're not all black they have some orange and some white in them but man they're gorgeous yeah um but yeah so uh melanistic traits pop up in lions everything almost every other cat that that has been spotted and it wouldn't be surprised like i wouldn't be surprised if melanism is a a predominant feature i mean it's still uh it's it's not a dominant feature it's you know still recessive but it's more dominant in felines than in any other uh creature in the world because of how many of them are out there um, and it wouldn't surprise me that if it does affect every single feline uh, species in the world either, that just it, it, that wouldn't surprise me the least bit. Anyways, all right, moving on because we spent a lot of time on this book, and we I I have given out a lot of details about the book. Uh, one last thing I want to do is just kind of go over some of my most favorite. Uh, aspects of this book some of my favorite stories and then i want to get a little bit into your background is that all right with you denver sure cool so if you're thinking about picking up this book strange tales from virginia's mountains by denver michaels i would highly recommend that you take some time to look at a couple specific things in this book one find out why i now have one goal in life and that is to retire in the town of norton virginia <laughs> Two, find out why I'll never be able to look at a buzzard again and not look at its neck. <laughs> Three, find out why, why I cried when he told the stories of old Shep and the black dog of the Blue Ridge. Oh, man. <laughs> awesome, awesome stories. Those are probably my highlights. Also, the darkness that shrouds the, the National Park of Shenandoah. Um that blew my mind. Again, if you are a fan of cryptozoology, this is a book for you. If you are a fan of paranormal, this is a book for you. If you are a fan of the strange at all, this is a book for you. If you are a fan of history, if you are a citizen of the Commonwealth of Virginia, the Old Dominion, this is a book for you. You should know this stuff. This is awesome stuff. If you've ever been to Virginia, you should know this stuff. If you ever thought about Virginia, if you learned about it in school, you should get this book. This is an awesome book. Denver, I am 100% blown away by this book. I wrote a review for you on both Goodreads and uh, Amazon.com. I gave it five out of five stars. This is an amazing book. I will refer to this book the rest of my life. You have made a fan out of me. I am going to get your book on West Virginia. Um, I know you also put out a book about giants, too. and I'm very interested in getting my hands on that one as well. Um, and I know that you have a, a, a lot of other projects that are out there too, that I will be checking out sometime in the future, but I need to get my hands on that West Virginia one quick, um, payday is coming up. So I'm gonna have to, have to get that, 
here soon. <laughs> um, but now that now that I talked up your book, which is well deserved, let's talk about you for a little bit. How did you get into the subject of or the subjects of cryptozoology, paranormal, ufology, uh, history, and all this really really cool stuff that you now dedicate your life to? I there's I I can't really point to any one thing. Um, you know, un, unlike you, I um I didn't see a Bigfoot. You know, when I was younger, uh, nothing like that. I, I I can't point to any one thing, and um that that's weird to a lot of people that I would uh, be so interested in these kind of topics, uh, not having uh, an experience like that. But um I guess I've just always um. I've always been uh, very open-minded. I've, um, uh, you know, I kind of, I kind of lean um, conspiracy theorists, I guess. So, so I never take anything at face value, uh, pretty much. And um, I just, uh, I, I've just never believed that uh, whether it's our history whether it's uh, what's out in the woods or what's over the skies or in our waters. I've, I've just never believed that we're, we're getting the full story on it. And, um, you know, uh, years, uh, some years ago, I guess, uh, around 2014, um, I just, uh, kind of almost like started going through a midlife crisis kind of like oh you're mm-hmm. you're over 40 years old and you haven't done anything with your life you know i mean of <laughs> course i you know and everybody goes through that i guess uh, it's just that you know i'm i'm just kind of for whatever reason like something clicked in my head i'm kind of taking inventory in my in my life and yeah you know i'm you know uh raise kids my uh i'm I'm in a good job but it's you know it's it's you know if if it's not the job i dreamed of when i was a little kid put it that way it's it's it, it pays the bills uh, i got good benefits you know making pretty good money but there's no just just zero satisfaction you know you just uh you just driving home from work every day like i'm just so dead inside and so you know what i really had always wanted to do was write and um so i'm just like screw it i'm just i'm just gonna start writing and um you know just just see see where it goes you know and and the thing that I always wanted to write about was like weird topics, weird subject matter. Um, and, um, that's just kind of where it went. And yeah, you know, of course, leading up to that, I mean, my whole life, um, I, or my whole adult life, I had always researched cryptids, you know, I've always spent a lot of time in the woods. I was always reading up on, you know, it was alternate history, uh, that sort of thing. And, um, I guess I just, uh, you know, finally uh, decided to put it all together. That's awesome. I'm happy to hear that that's happened to somebody else too. Yeah, just, yeah, yeah, you know, the grind can, you know, just uh, the raising the kids, uh, paying the bills. I mean, and, and, and those are, those are all good things. Uh, don't get me wrong. I don't, don't mean to, you know, sound uh, like I was ungrateful for the life I had, but it, but it grinds on you, you know, when you're not doing what you really want to do, you know, and um, I just, uh, you know, just kind of started going after it little by little. Well, good for you. 
that's kind of what this uh, podcast is for me. It definitely was brought upon by COVID for sure. It happened a lot quicker because of COVID, but I myself am, am very inter- interested in the unknown and the strange topics and stuff too. Um, I actually, I've got plans for books later on in my life too, whenever things start slowing down and these kids, you know, fly mm-hmm. the nest and uh, <laughs> whenever that might be, uh, who knows? <laughs> um, but, but um, I, I'm happy to hear it because you really did put out a great product and I am beyond excited to read some more of your work. Um, with that being said, now you don't have to tell me what you got coming up, but do you have anything coming up? Well, yeah, actually I do. And, and I can tell you a little bit about it. It's, um, I've got another book coming out and it's, uh, by the same publisher as, um, as, as the strange tales it's, uh, it's published by the history press. I have a date. I think the date is August 23rd. And, uh, the title of the book is haunted Shenandoah Valley. And, <gasps> and, and I'm really excited about this because this is the, usually in my books, um, you know, I'll cover hauntings, but you know, only in maybe a couple chapters here and there. This book is only about hauntings, and it's it's the first book that I've ever done just about ghost stories and hauntings, and uh, it's it's going to be a fun read, and you know, there's going to be a lot of good uh, historical stuff. Uh, you, it it's going to cover an area from. Um, uh, Martinsburg, West Virginia, all the way down to, um, you know, down to Lexington, just the, the whole valley there is going to, going to, um, be covered. And I'm real excited about it. I, I'm sure you're excited, but I'm stoked. <laughs> well, I, well I'll, I'll definitely get a review copy, um, you know, to you. Please. And, uh, yeah, yeah, definitely. As soon as, uh, you know, I'm supposed to start the editing phase, uh, you know, with the uh, editors and those guys in early June. So, you know, so probably sometime around July or middle of july i'll probably have some uh, re- you know a review pdf i could uh, forward along to you yeah and i'll have you back on oh if, yeah if that's okay with you i'd love oh, to have you back oh on. A- absolutely yeah anytime fantastic um i think jeremy needs to change a underwear now <laughs> 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 yeah yeah real excited there oh man <laughs> Well, this is where I'm going to retire. I I haven't made up my mind whether or not I'm going to retire in in Virginia or West Virginia yet. But this is I'm going to retire along the the Appalachians in 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 Virginia. (laughs) Well, I don't know, man. West Virginia is beautiful, too, and it's cheaper. Oh, West Virginia is absolutely beautiful, but it's got its own problems. Trust me. I've heard. I've heard. And I've I've been on both sides of the mountains, too. I've been Mm. on the West Virginia side. I've been to the, the Virginia side. They're personally equally as beautiful. They're beautiful in different ways, right? Yeah. Uh, but it's, I would say West Virginia is more beautiful, but that's just me. I'm a little biased. <laughs> I, I actually kind of agree, um, but I I would not I'm not I wouldn't be upset with retiring on either one. I I can't wait to get out of Suffolk, which ain't going to be for another twenty years or something. But all in all, you put out topics that I'm very interested in in an area that I'm interested in. Um, I can also see like if, if you had wrote in a book about the Rocky mountains, 
I still, I'm, I'm still going to end up buying at Denver. I, I really do like your, your writing style. I like the way that you approach it. I, I like how you include your personal life into it, personal pictures. You actually go out into the field to conduct this research and you, you use the research that you personally do yourself to build this book and give it to, uh, give it to the person who bought this book. It's a great book. It's really awesome, Denver. I appreciate that, man. Thank you for coming on. Uh, with that, I did the same thing to Kenny Irish, and I'm going to do it to you. Okay. All right. I've got a surprise question for you. Okay. And I'm going to make this kind of a, a thing with with authors. I'm actually going to ask you the same question I asked Kenny Irish. Okay. And I, I had a different question lined up for you, but I just read your blog today about Wendigo psychosis. So I was like, okay, he's getting this question. Now, Wendigos were originally cannibalistic members of society that were cast aside that would eat um, that that would eat when when they ate instead of feeding their hunger, it would feed their body and their body would grow, but their bellies would stay empty. And so their hunger would grow because the, the bigger belly would require more and more food and supplement. So they just ended up getting bigger and bigger and bigger. But realistically, they were humans. Right. Just cannibalistic humans uh, that that took on a spiritualistic form that was vicious and ugly and, you know, downright mean. Now you see this new Wendigo image that's popped up, right, which is a, an agulet, like a deer mm -hmm. that it that, you know, it's it's a skins melted off of it half of its face is a skull half of it's still got the pelt on it it's got the antlers it's mean it's vicious just like the, the original story of the wendigo my question is for you why did this change happen when did it happen basically what, what, what do you think of the the change that the image of the wendigo has gone through and do you think that there's something behind it at all I know that I caught you completely off guard with this, and that's what that's what this question's meant to do. Yeah, yeah. I, if if I'm understanding what you're asking, um, yeah, like like I see a lot um, uh, on Facebook. I'm I'm a moderator on the uh, National uh, Cryptid Society uh, group, and and you see people uh, ask a lot about or or talk about the wendigo as a cryptid and you see a lot of this imagery like you said got the got the deer antlers real you know creepy looking thing and um i i think a lot of that imagery is um I think a lot of it's social media driven you know mm. in that in that now as opposed to i mean e even now you know, you've got so many more, um, more of these groups, you got these, these pages and things where, where, uh, where you didn't have so much of that, even, even 10 years ago. And I, I just think a lot of that is, is, is driven like that. I, I've always looked at, at, uh, you know, the Wendigo as, um, as a, a more in a spiritual type sense, uh, almost, uh, you know, something akin to like demonic possession almost, you know, where, you know, mm -hmm. it happens to these, these people and they, uh, 
have the craving for human flesh and um and that sort of thing so um yeah i, I don't know if i'm really answering your question that good but i i just think a lot of the imagery now you know is is it kind, kind of almost like uh kind of the way that uh you know dog men and, and has gained in popularity i mean i mean 20 years ago you didn't really hear about dog men you know i mean you just didn't i mean it was uh, not not that there weren't tales out there don't get me wrong but it's just uh, it's just shocking how how common it is now and um and and like i said you even have people uh you know calling the wind to go a cryptid and there's even you know i've even read like so-called uh you know sightings of this you know like this antlered you know thing you know like that so i i think a lot of it is just uh you know social media awareness uh, you know the more people become aware of uh, these different things kind of the more it grows and evolves i like it i like it if that makes any sense <laughs> No, absolutely. Yeah, totally. I appreciate you expressing the information like that, especially being a moderator. I'm sure you see a ton of it. Oh God. <laughs> the the reason why is because you know you get you get some people that are that go on these Facebook pages and they're like, I seen something with antlers you know, walking like a man, and you know you have a a a handful of different cryptids that it could be. You know, uh, none of them. If you go by the original details surrounding the wendigo none of them are a wendigo yeah you know you have deer man you have shit i mean we had a guy on who thought he saw bafflement uh in the woods of north carolina i am um and then you got like you talked about sheep squatch a little bit i mean that's a yeah. little different but uh you know i i believe that the the change that has happened to the wendigo is a beautification thing it, it's you get people that are so excited about cryptozoology or mm. the fascination of urban legends. And the thing about a human being as a Wendigo is it's not interesting. Mm -hmm. It's just a cannibal. Yeah. So they, <laughs> it, it's gotta be interesting, yeah. you know? And, and uh, I, I hope that if anybody is listening to this recording today, um, do a little bit of research into the Wendigo. It is a fascinating legend. It is really, really interesting without the antlers. Mm -hmm. um, I, I highly recommend it. At one day, one day we're going to cover the Wendigo on Infinite Rabbit Hole. I don't know when, uh, but when we do, we'll make sure that we put all that information out there for you so that you guys can know the true Wendigo story. And we will cover uh, the antler one too, unfortunately. But um, <clears throat> anyways, Denver, it has been a blessing to have you on here today. I hope that uh, we can cover your next book that about the, the Shenandoah Valley hauntings. And I just want to extend one more thank you for coming on because this was beyond awesome. Thank you. Well, thank you. And, uh, thank all your, I want to thank all your listeners for tuning in. It's, uh, it's been a pleasure to be on. Well, Wes, you got anything? No, I'm just, this was, uh, this was pretty good. I, I had a good time <laughs> hanging out, uh, chat about all this stuff there's a lot of good stuff in Hell that yeah. book uh so definitely recommend everyone check it out absolutely and now i'm gonna go waste the rest of my my night looking at videos of kangaroos in the dark <laughs> <laughs>
for those of you that have listened to this episode, thank you again. This has been another bonus episode of the Infinite Rabbit Hole. We'll see you next time. Hey, everyone. Thank you for joining us on this episode of Infinite Rabbit Hole. If you'd like to reach out to us, you can do so at infiniterabbithole at gmail.com. Follow us at facebook.com forward slash infinite rabbit hole. Follow us on Twitter at twitter.com forward slash infinite rh. Follow us on Instagram at infinite underscore rabbit underscore hole. We're always looking for someone that has a story to share. So if you feel like you've experienced a strange encounter with something that you can't explain, reach out to us. Let us know. Come on, have a good time, tell your story. And if for some reason you don't want to show up on a podcast, send us a letter in our email in a format that we can read to the fans, and we'll be more than happy to read it to everybody. Well, that's all for this episode. We'll see you next time down the infinite rabbit hole. I'm recording right now. This is embarrassing. I, I am I am talking to somebody very important right now. <laughs> Bye. I love you. I'm sorry about that, Denver. That was extremely rude. <laughs> My wife just got home from work. I gotta get I gotta get a sign for the door. That's what I do. Yeah, light too. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> on air. Good thing. Good thing we can cut that out. Anyways. <laughs>